This reading is taken from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back a part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The words of our next song contain so many reasons for us to praise the Lord Jesus. So we do so now in the words of your, the word of God the Father. Please stand. the power of your 
do take a seat. Before Tom comes to preach to us, Balvati will read to us from Exodus. This reading is from Exodus 20, reading from verse 12. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, why don't we pray as we come to reflect on God's commandment? Loving Father, we thank you for your law. We thank you that it is light, and as it shines, it exposes the sin in our heart. But we thank you, Lord, that as light, it not only exposes our sin, but it lights our path, that seeking forgiveness in your Son, the law now points us to how we should live to honour your Son. We pray this morning that we would be people who obey you, as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we have been uh, going through the Ten Commandments uh, in our series. We're up to the Eighth Commandment, do not steal. And I wonder, as you go through those commandments, if this uh, particular commandment is one that you kind of go over quite quickly and think, well, that probably doesn't apply to me. Um, I'm not sure, but looking out Uh, This morning, I doubt there's many of us uh, who are engaged in some great plan to, you know, steal the crown jewels or uh, knock uh, or or hold up Lloyd's Bank in town. Uh, It doesn't really feel like a commandment that is that relevant, but I want to suggest that that's not the case. And in fact, I'd like to suggest this morning that all of us, all of us could be tempted to steal and should be on our guard about this commandment. And also, at the end, I want us to reflect on what the alternative would be. If we are not people who steal, what sort of people should we be? Uh, I've been listening to a podcast lately uh, called Banged Up, uh, which interviews two people uh, who went to prison. And over a series of 12 episodes, uh, really helps us to understand what their experience of prison was like. Just to let you know, if you don't plan on listening, it's not very good, uh, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But what, um, what I found really interesting about the, uh, uh, when I was listening was that these two people were from very, very different backgrounds. Uh, one was a professional footballer working uh, uh, from a working-class background. The other was sort of upper-middle-class, professional, had gone to private school. So it's a very different backgrounds, and yet they'd gone to prison for the same crime, uh, which is that they both committed fraud. Uh, one was for match-fixing, that was the professional footballer, and the other was for running a scam involving mobile phones. Uh, two very different types of people, and yet they both committed the same crime, and both were thieves. 
Uh, and what struck me uh, about the fact that they were so different was it, it helped me to see really anybody uh, in the right circumstances uh, could be a thief. Anybody, even us here today, could be tempted to steal, as hard as that might be uh, to imagine. Uh, when we think of stealing, I think in Cambridge what comes to mind uh, most immediately is bike theft. Uh, we are the bike theft capital of the UK. don't know if you knew that, um, but we are. Uh, I, uh, I, I have just completed my PhD at, at uh, Cambridge University, and so I would walk through uh, uh, quite often um, the Sidgwick site where, where the classics department was, uh, and it was, also, uh, it was always a little bit sad because as I was walking past, I would just see this row of sort of just one uh, bike wheel left uh, with the chain still attached to it, uh, and that was all there was. Uh, and the rest of the bike uh, was gone. And you would just see wheel after wheel after wheel. And, of course, all the, the bikes were gone. Uh, it, it's a big problem in Cambridge. My friend even had a bike uh, that he... A very expensive bike, actually. Uh, he took uh, to a bike shop to have serviced. Uh, he just left it uh, in the shop for a moment, turned around to, talk, uh, to, to find the man uh, to talk to. Uh, and when he turned back, the bike was gone. And someone had stole... I mean, that's, that's quite bold, isn't it? Someone stole the bike there in the bike shop when he was waiting to get it serviced. Uh, but, of course, bike theft is nothing uh, compared to the rapid increase in scams uh, that we are seeing in the UK. Uh, I was quite amazed to discover that fraud is the most common crime in England and Wales. Isn't that incredible? Uh, it costs the UK £137 billion each year. And of course, fraud has always been a problem, uh, but it's got significantly worse since the pandemic. I wonder if you heard those horrible stories of scam artists uh, who were sending emails offering government support uh, to people uh, during the pandemic, only to get their bank details and steal from them. Or, I think even worse, uh, getting in touch with people, often uh, elderly people who are quite vulnerable, uh, telling them that they had to pay for their COVID vaccine uh, and stealing uh, from the most vulnerable in our society. How horrible uh, it, it was. And yet, it happens. Theft is all around us. People steal. As I said, what I want us to reflect on is whether we could ever steal. Is this a temptation for us? I think we would find it hard to imagine. Maybe the odd paperclip from work back in your day, but not something that you'd actually go to prison for. But I would like to suggest that no, in fact, stealing is quite, uh, it, it, it's quite easy for us to fall into the trap of stealing. Um, I looked into this uh, this week in preparation and I discovered that when it comes to fraud, uh, there's something called the fraud triangle. I'm not sure if uh, any of you have heard of this before. Uh, it's a tool that's used to explain why ordinary people who otherwise wouldn't uh, commit fraud every single day. Uh, being a triangle, there are three common factors. Let me take you through them. There is incentive, opportunity and rationalisation. And even though these have to do with fraud, I think they're actually very helpful for us understanding why anyone, even people here today, could be tempted to steal. Uh, so the first is incentive. Uh, that can simply mean that you want more money, you like money, you would like more of the money, so you take money. Uh, but it usually, usually means that somebody has found themselves in a difficult situation uh, where they need money and they need money fast. Maybe difficulty in paying the bills, uh, they're in some sort of financial strife, uh, often, sadly, uh, it's related to something like a gambling addiction or, or a drug addiction. Uh, it's something that puts pressure on people 
uh, so that suddenly they are in desperate need of money and they need it fast. Uh, It's very easy to not be a thief when you have financial security, but take that security away and suddenly there is a real temptation, especially if you have, the second thing, opportunity. Uh, This is the second factor. Uh, Pretty straightforward. If there is a wad of cash just lying in front of you, no one around, uh, you're far more likely uh, to take that uh, than you are to, as I said before, go into the centre of town and hold up Lloyd's Bank. Why? Opportunity. The opportunity is there. It's much easier to take the money. No one's there. The wad of cash is there. No one's looking. Very, very tempting all of a sudden to become a thief. Uh, Opportunities often present themselves, especially at work, Uh, whether it's taking company property, misusing company funds, straight-up embezzlement. And again, you wouldn't likely do this, but given enough incentive, enough desperation, and the right opportunity, you might be tempted. And of course, you'll tell yourself all of this is okay through our third factor, which is rationalisation. This is how we justify stealing to ourselves. So you might say, well, the company deserves it. They're horrible. They haven't been paying me right anyway. So I, I, I should have this money. So I'm just going to take it for myself. Or perhaps everyone in this industry is doing it. Uh, people have been doing it for a long time. I might as well get my own. Uh, or maybe you feel like, well, it's not really hurting anyone. I'm not like I'm knocking over an old granny and stealing her purse. You know, this is fine. This, this won't really bother anyone. So it, it is okay to me. Now, I bring all of this up because I do think that we can breeze over this commandment and think it won't apply to us. But I want us to understand that the Bible is very clear, that we are sinful and that sin is deceitful, that we can be tempted. And even in this area, this area of stealing, we can be tempted if we are put in the right, or should I say wrong, situation. So I'd like to take a moment to think about this commandment seriously and to reflect on, well, what's wrong with stealing? Why shouldn't we steal? Why does God tell us not to steal? Uh, I have a five-year-old daughter, and um, we were going through Tesco a couple of months ago, and she saw, it was one of the bigger Tescos, and she saw a Barbie uh, for sale. Um, there was no way I was going to buy her this Barbie, but she desperately wanted this Barbie. And she, you know, did the whole song and dance and crying and wanting it and wanting it and wanting it. Um, and I was holding firm. I was saying, absolutely not. We're not going to get it. That's not what we're here for. Didn't cost that much, but no, we're not going to get it. And then uh, I, I told her, we, we, you know, we can't just buy things every time we come to the shop. And she asked, well, why can't I just take it? And so we had to have a conversation about stealing and what was wrong with stealing. And I don't know, if you've had kids or grandchildren or you've talked to nieces or nephews, maybe you know this, that sometimes when you talk to children, it can be a very simple conversation and sometimes it can get very deep, very fast. And uh, that's what happened here. We're having this, you know, it's just a very simple conversation about why stealing is wrong. And then suddenly we're getting into the complexities of what's actually wrong with stealing. And she was sort of suggesting a restructuring of society and a redistribution of goods so that everybody can have what they want. And, you know, she was adamant that, look, Tesco seems to have a lot of Barbies. I don't have any Barbies. What's so bad about me taking one? Uh, and, And no matter how much I tried, she couldn't understand what was really wrong with it. 
I think that's, when it comes to stealing, it's one of those things where, at first glance, it's obvious, of course you shouldn't steal. But then you really try and think about it and and explain it to a five-year-old, it's harder than you think, trust me. So, let's go to the Bible and think about what is so wrong with stealing. And, of course, the first reason, and perhaps the most obvious, uh, is the harm principle. Stealing harms others and it harms ourselves. Uh, This is why almost every culture and society that's ever existed uh, has made stealing uh, against their law or against their customs. Uh, Why? Because when you steal, you are gaining from someone else's loss, aren't you? Okay, You are taking something so that you now have they no longer do. And the Bible has a lot to say about this sort of injustice. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus is is an interesting book, a lot of it uh, really deals in, I guess, what we might call today case law, uh, where it's it's trying to take us through the implications of the Ten Commandments and and the law that God has given. Uh, And in Leviticus 19, it it expands on this commandment and says, You shall not oppress your neighbour or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. What I find very interesting about that is the connection that's made here between oppression and theft. Uh, In the Bible's eyes, when we steal, we oppress our neighbour. I wonder if you've thought of uh, stealing in that way. We push them down in order to push ourselves up. Uh, Stealing hurts people. Of course, stealing doesn't just harm others, it harms you as well. Uh, We all know the saying, crime doesn't pay, and it's true. Like all sin... Sin will slowly consume you, and then it will uh, destroy you. Sorry, I've got my uh, notes in the wrong order. Here we are. There we go. So Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter twenty, verse seventeen, I think, uh, puts this in a very uh, striking image. Uh, Proverbs chapter twenty, verse seventeen says, "Food gained by fraud tastes sweet." but one ends up with a mouth full of gravel. It's quite a a powerful image, isn't it? See, it doesn't just hurt others, it will ultimately hurt you. Uh, When I was listening to that podcast, Banged Up, uh, one of the episodes was about rehabilitation, how when they were in prison, and I guess part of uh, being put on parole, uh, was they had to you know, seriously think about how they were going to be rehabilitated uh, now that they were in prison. And part of the rehabilitation process was recognising that their actions had actually caused harm to other people. Uh, Both of these uh, people, when they were committing the crime, were absolutely convinced that this was a victimless crime. Uh, They thought, look, it's not hurting anyone, it's just me making a little bit extra money, it doesn't really matter. Uh, And it was very interesting that part of the whole rehabilitation process was helping them to understand, find a link between their action and the harm of others. And it was interesting listening to them afterwards and their reflections, and they were genuinely convinced now that their actions had caused harm to other people. We might not always see it, but it's true. Stealing causes harm to others, and of course it caused harm to themselves as well. Uh, they were the first to admit that it completely ruined their lives, messed up their lives, and only now they're trying to, to rebuild their life after making this terrible, terrible, well, not even mistake, I don't really like that word, after committing this crime. So that's the first reason why we shouldn't steal. Stealing harms others and harms ourselves. But the second reason is because stealing leads us away from God. See, I think it's important when we think about stealing not to just think about the horizontal implications, that is, how it affects you and me, but also how it affects my relationship with God, the vertical as well. 
And what we see when we look at the Bible are several examples of how stealing actually leads people away from God. Uh, I wonder, I asked um, the, the kids at, uh, at the morning service this, and it was a bit of a tricky question, but I wonder if you could tell me, who do you think are the first thieves in the Bible? Can anyone think of who the first thieves were in the Bible? Oh, what was that, Polly? Adam and Eve, well done, that's right, right at the beginning. Adam and Eve were the very first thieves of the Bible. We don't often think of Adam and Eve as thieves, do we? But think about what they did. Uh, they took something that didn't belong to them. They were told that they were not to take the fruit from this tree, and yet, wanting it, they took it. And I think what's really interesting is that when you think about what Adam and Eve did, it was all about their relationship with God. They didn't trust God, did they? They didn't trust that God would care for them, that God would provide for them. They thought that God was holding out on them. And so rather than waiting patiently to receive from God, they went out and took for themselves. They went out and took for themselves. It's an example of how stealing can actually lead us away from God. When we steal, what we are doing is we are saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't rely on you to provide uh, me with what I need. I'm going to take for myself. Uh, one, one example that I hadn't thought of, but that David actually uh, uh, told me after the service, uh, is Jacob. Jacob is another great stealer. Uh, he's a deceiver. He's a fraudster. He's a trickster. He's a con artist. Uh, and he loves to steal. He loves to take what is not his. And we were sort of discussing uh, Jacob because it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Eventually he does go back to God. But when you think about it, his stealing actually leads him further and further and further away from God and away from the land as, as, as he tries to take, take, take and take. And it's only when he later uh, learns to be somebody who receives from God uh, that he's led back to God. Let me give you a third example. Judas. Judas was a thief. Uh, he was embezzling money from the funds that the disciples had. And it was that love of money, that desire for money, that caused him to betray Jesus. And what, the reason I bring up these examples is to try and show that when we steal, there's not just this horizontal implication of how we're treating others, but there's a vertical as well. When we steal, we are going further and further away from God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2, I think, shows the two sides of this coin. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Do you see the contrast that's made there? On the one hand, people who steal ultimately will not have anything of worth because when they die, they can't take anything with them. But on the other hand, the righteous, those who turn to God and follow him, well, they will have something even after death. They will be with God. And so this proverb is trying to show how actually theft is not neutral. It's one of two sides of the coin. On the one hand, you can be a thief who puts their hope in the things of this world, which have no lasting value, or you can be righteous and put your hope in God. Psalm 62 verse 10 offers a similar warning. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. And of course, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And of course, this is exactly what Adam and Eve and Judas do. It's their love 
of what is not theirs, their failure to trust in their good God to provide for them that ultimately leads them away from God. So it harms others, it harms ourselves, it harms our relationship with God. The last reason, though, why we shouldn't steal is, I think, the most important and the most simple reason, and that is God says not to. I think uh, we often like to think of the reason behind God's commands, and that's right. God isn't a, a capricious uh, dictator who just makes up law, laws um, you know, without thinking them through and, and does it because he doesn't want us to have any fun. No, there are good reasons why he gives us the law. But at the heart of it, the reason why God tells us not to steal is because it is so different from his character. God hates stealing. He detests it. It makes him furious. And the Bible says, since it is part of God's law, that when we steal, we place ourselves under the judgment of God. So Isaiah 61 verse 8, For I, love, for I the Lord love justice, I hate robbery and wrong. Or Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. That is powerful language, isn't it? For someone just fiddling with the figures, it is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul talks about those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, first off the list are thieves. Why shouldn't we steal? Because God says not to. And when we do, we place ourselves under his judgment. Well, what should we do with all of this? I think when we hear the Ten Commandments, what we're meant to feel, at first at least, uh, is the weight of this commandment. We are to feel the conviction of this commandment, to see that it is wrong and that we should not do this. What should our response to all of this be? This brings me to one more thief that we meet in the Bible, and that is Zacchaeus. You remember the story of Zacchaeus, the short man, always relate to Zacchaeus, the short man up the tree when Jesus comes along, the tax collector. He not only betrayed his countrymen by working for the Romans, but he also stole by demanding more than what they owed and then pocketing the difference. Zacchaeus was a thief. When we look at Zacchaeus, we can see the harm that he caused others, very clear harm. Uh, These poor people who were already living uh, uh, under foreign occupation, something that we can all relate to a lot more these days, can't we, uh, with what's been going on in the world. Not only is that going on, but then one of their own fellow countrymen is cheating them and taking what little they have left and pocketing it for himself. What a horrible, horrible thing to do, the harm he caused others by stealing. But of course, he caused harm to himself as well. He was a complete outcast to his community and hated by everyone. And everyone else was convinced that he was a sinner, that he was under the judgment of God. And they were right. But one day, Jesus comes to town, being so short and hated by his community. Zacchaeus climbs a tree to see Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Does he say, look at that man, what an evil person he is. Get out of my sight. No. He says to Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I am going to have lunch with you today. Everyone else was shocked. How could Jesus go and be the guest of a sinner? And yet what we see in this story 
which is so important for us to understand, is the love of Jesus for sinners like you and me. We are reminded that no one is too far from God to be saved. Uh, I was mentioning in the service before that um, I look quite young, and uh, I'm aware of this. Um, People think I'm just out of school sometimes. Uh, It's not the case. Um, And I've actually been a vicar for some time now, uh, over 10 years. Uh, And because of that, I'm very sad to say, things don't really surprise me anymore. Uh, I think when I first started, I would have been shocked to learn that someone in my congregation uh, had stolen something. I would have thought, no, I would never do that. Uh, But sadly, over the years, I've come to see that sin affects us all and that we all can be tempted, like I was saying, even to steal. And I say this because I know it is entirely possible that there are people here today who either in the past have stolen or who are still stealing today. Whether you shoplifted for the thrill of it, you stole from work, found a way to steal that no one has ever found out about. No one, of course, except God. And if that's you, I want you to know that you are not too far from God to be saved. I want you to know that Jesus still loves you as much as he loves Zacchaeus and that he calls you to come down and to come to him. But of course, the story of Zacchaeus doesn't end there because when the people are so outraged that Jesus has gone to eat with him, Zacchaeus stands up and he says... Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What this part of the story reminds us is that whilst anyone can come to Jesus, no matter what they've done, you can't come to Jesus and stay the same. Jesus changes you. Jesus transforms you. And when we come to Jesus for forgiveness, he will forgive you. But he also demands that we repent, that we turn away from that old life and start a new life instead. And what is the new life that we see in Zacchaeus? It's not just restitution. It's not just that he pays back four times what he's stolen. He also gives half of his money to the poor. Isn't that incredible? Imagine for a moment... All of your possessions, everything you own, all the money in the bank, how much your house is worth, everything that you have, and then giving half of that away to the poor. That's what this man did. Jesus changes people. And what is the life that Jesus calls us to if it is not one of stealing? If we are repenting of stealing, what life should we be living? And this is relevant to everyone, even if you've never stolen a thing in your life. It's the life of sharing. This is the mark of a person changed by Jesus. The opposite of stealing is not not stealing, it's sharing. If stealing is taking something from someone else that doesn't belong to me, sharing is giving something to someone else that does belong to me. The opposite of stealing is sharing. And this is the life that Jesus calls us to. Not to be people who take, but rather, like him, 
to be someone who gives. And Paul makes this point in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So, you may be someone who's never stolen anything in your life. You may be someone who has stolen in the past. You may be someone who is stealing today. God says, do not steal. There may be need for serious business with God today, of repenting and asking for forgiveness. But then on the positive side, the best way to ensure that you never fall into the temptation of theft again is to give and to share. Don't steal. Work hard so that you can share what you have with those in need. Let's pray. Loving Father, we know that we are susceptible to sin, even the sin of stealing. We pray that you would guard our minds and hearts, that we would not fall into this temptation. We also pray, Lord, that your Son would change us by his Spirit to be people who do not take but who give, who do not steal but share. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen.